This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression brings the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends in the Australian running community you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in Season 2, Episode 14, I interview Melbourne ultra runner Dion Finocchiaro. In the last handful of years, Dion's name has become synonymous with ultra running. He now holds the 50k, 50 mile and 6 hour male Australian ultra records. Furthermore, Dion's marathon PB is an astonishing 2.19 that he set in Melbourne just two years ago. The interview starts around a discussion of his experience for the very first time in Brisbane and the marathon event itself, and then he delves specifically into the ultra-running world, talking all things nutrition, training weeks, coaching, and footwear. So as always, whether you're out for a run or kicking back, throw the headphones in and enjoy hearing from one of Australia's ultra-greats. Well, officially welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, Dion. Thanks for having me. I've just corrected the pronunciation off air of uh, your name, so it looks like we're going ahead here. How was your morning this morning, seeing you out for a run with your club, the Evolve Run Club, is that correct? Yeah, we get out. Um, I mean, we don't run as early as, as you guys, but <laughs> 6 o'clock is <laughs> a bit of a Brisbane thing. still early, early enough here when it's um, yeah pretty pretty dark and cold and yeah, it's been really quite cold at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good little run. Had the guys doing 1,200 metre reps, um, which was a bit of fun. And that group, so are you coaching and running that group at the same time as in you're running as a runner, you're training yourself with the guys? Um, I try to as often as I can. Uh, today, I kind of, um, I, I didn't run like, my own kind of full session i was just a little bit niggly with a hammy and so i'm just it was more of a you know a three half effort three quarter effort um it was probably running like anywhere from three twenties to 
340s, just, you know, I'll pick someone, I'll run with them for a rep. And then, but yeah, I, in terms of coaching them, I, I probably coach oh, at the moment. I, I'm not doing as, as many, just, um, I've just, you know, off to uni and I'm, um, two jobs and having a baby, like we just moved house. So I haven't been taking on as many. So I've got five other coaches that take athletes on as well. So we all kind of come together, collaborate and do the sessions as a group. Um, so yeah, some days I'll actually be doing the session at my own pace and other days, you know, I might just pick someone and, and run with them. And, you know, if there's someone that's by themselves, you know, I'll try and, you know, stick with them. Excellent. Well, you set the scene a little bit there for the listeners, uh, a busy man along with the running and um, a few actual guests on the local legends in running podcast that you might know about. Uh, one's Clay Dawson. I think um, yep. you'd know him and uh, Wayne Spees, South African Australian. Yeah, yeah. Runner. I know Wayne. Um, would they be, those names be familiar to you, Dion? Yeah. Yeah. We've ran with them a few times before, you know, had, had a couple of pose photos with in the past. And um, actually I saw Clay just recently at the Brisbane marathon and legend, like I, I, you know, I'd also seen him at the the Hobart marathon like a month earlier, but he, um he actually got me like a little baby outfits. Um, for, <laughs> we don't know if we're having a boy or a girl, but, um, and for one of the, uh, the little onesies um, it had, or oh, I think it was a t-shirt. Sorry. It had, um he'd got like hocker printed onto it. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Clay's a legend. How good's that? Hey, speaking of the Brisbane Marathon, you were second there, I've seen, in a 2.27. And uh, ex-Bert runner, actually. Bert, um, guy from my current group, who used to run for us, Jonathan Peters. He seems to have been around forever. He's He's been solid really for does. about 15 years as a road yep. runner. And um, what, time, what time was he in first place for the marathon? He ran 2.25. Yeah. And... You know what? I I thought I could run somewhere around that time, but geez, I'm not used to those conditions, and it, and it really, um, I went out way too quick. I, some of the um, the half marathoners who were out in front, I just thought, oh, one of them's doing the marathon. I'm just I'm just like stop it. I'm just gonna go with them and then see how long I can go for. And then at the first U turn, one of the guys, oh, the actual the guy in front. Um, had the yellow bib on the half marathon bib and I just thought, ah, oh, oh. I've just <laughs> shot myself in the foot. But um, yeah, anyway, I, it was, it was, it was good to, to kind of run a different marathon that I hadn't ran before. And it's not a easy course, but um, yeah, definitely a bit warmer than in Melbourne. Yeah. So your first time there at the Brisbane marathon? Yeah. I actually hadn't even ever been to Brisbane ever before. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome. Welcome officially. But uh, you're back in Melbourne now. But um, what was your take on the Brisbane Marathon? I think this would be a very pertinent question for an outsider because it's been, it's, uh, you know, we take, we appreciate all these events, don't we, as runners, that um, the volunteers uh, and, and those whom are, whom are paid uh, very lowly for them to put them on for us. But the Brisbane Marathon, in a way, have struggled for numbers and depth for a number of years. So why do you think in your perspective that is the case and we and we think of things like gold coast around the corner maybe the biggest factor but anything else you can think of i mean there'd be a number of contributing factors you know you think of gold coast you think 
oh, you were running on the water. Where well, you're actually not running on the water, right? <laughs> it's in residential well, for the street, half at least. The marathon, maybe you might see it for a bit. No, you don't. Don't even really see it. Um, right. But Brisbane, yeah. Like, I, I, I like the guys that organise it. Um, you know, Atlas, who, you know, do the Hobart Marathon, Sunshine Coast, um, Cairns, like, great team. They kind of know what they're doing. But, yeah, with the Brisbane, uh, you know, there's probably a, a few factors. Firstly, it's not a like a flat and a fast course. So maybe that's where the Gold Coast kind of comes into play. It's in the school holidays. Um, mm. And it's been going for a long time with high caliber athletes. So I don't think you get one without the other. So it could be having the athletes come to the event. You need to put on things like the prize money or, you know, facilitating um, accommodation athlete pickup from airport. And otherwise you don't get like the big names. You kind of get, you know, a pretty good athlete who might be willing to go on holiday and do a bit of a cruisy marathon or, um, so yeah, it could be something like that. You know, there's a lot of contributing factors to why a marathon might struggle with, I guess, getting the field or the numbers. And another one like conditions is obviously hard. Um, the the course was kind of a bit hilly and heaps of U-turns. So, you know, based on I've done, I don't know how many marathons, you know, but, yeah, you'd probably lose about 8 to 10 seconds per U-turn, and that's with the deceleration and then the re-acceleration. So if you've got 15 U-turns in a loop, like that's that's a lot of time that you kind of give away, whereas Gold Coast, you've got two U-turns and then you're done. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and uh, it's it's changed for many years. Seems to change almost every single year, but uh, in in this case, in 2023, just on the um few, a few weeks ago, sorry, it um went up as far as uh, sort of Tenor Reef there, and uh, some bikeways too. Whenever you got bikeways in fun runs, there's always a concern for me, for starters, and um, also a consideration to maybe open up some more longer straights, like you're alluding to, a lot of turns in there, but um. From an outsider's perspective, do you feel like it can attract those runners that want to sort of see the sights of Brisbane too? But also the difficult thing is to get that sort of flat um, particular course for, for pace and time, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you look at somewhere like Sydney's a good comparison because Sydney's not a, you know, a fast course, but you do get some scenery. And, you know, I've done Sydney as well and there's not that many u-turns by comparison it's not a you know terribly fast course but it's faster you know you get more stretches of continuous running um so yeah with brisbane like you could probably if you're going to go for the the scenic route then you know maybe you do just not go for the you know because we kind of didn't have a particularly fast course but there was also we only did up on the bridge, story bridge, um, twice. But other than that, there was it was not really that scenic otherwise. So, you know, it could be that it, and two know, laps, you, right? Yeah, two laps. Yep. Uh, 21 Ks twice. 
Whereas if you're going to go for a, a scenic course, then maybe you just make it as scenic as possible. Whereas, yeah, the course that we ran, it wasn't particularly scenic either, but it was also hilly and lots of turns. So you kind of just, you know, you might just make a little circuit and you make it flat and fast and do it there. Or maybe you just own that it's not a fast marathon and you're coming to to see the scenery. But I guess Brisbane as a city is also not quite as big as somewhere like a Sydney with the, you know, world, you know, historical features. It might be different after the uh, Olympics, you know, in a few years. But um, at the moment, there's there's nothing that like sings out on the world map in Brisbane. Yeah, we might have crossed the um, just the bridge that, you know, forms the beginning or end of the Pacific Motorway coming into Brisbane there. And there's a bridge there as well. And it's a very long, straight stretch, also along Coronation Drive. That, um, again, for outsiders or for yourself, is the road that connects off that and then kind of comes back around to the University of Queensland. I just think there's something in there that we could do. But again, it's a major road and uh, it's the consideration for traffic and money and all those sorts of things, which I think they're having a challenge with. Again, uh, we always appreciate the uh, organisers of these events, but just trying to think about how we can improve the scene of running in Brisbane. And if the Brisbane Marathon Festival is a part of that, then I guess there's a consideration there. Yeah, and well said, like, you know, I mean, Brisbane, you guys have got a great running core group you know the in training you've got you know other little mm. breakaway groups that you've got going on but um yeah the uh you know you've got gold coast marathon but then brisbane marathon is not quite there yet but um you know there's definitely a lot of work you know a positives that can kind of go from here like you know whether you you close down a road yeah it's really quite expensive on a major motorway but you know it might be a bit faster. It might be a bit easier to kind of get people flowing through without, you know, in kind of funnel funneled into a really tight bottleneck. Um, so yeah, it could make it a bit faster and then you might get a few more people that kind of decide to come in. But I guess with Gold Coast being, you know, five or six weeks apart, a lot of people will do Brisbane as a half marathon, as, you know, a lead in race or something like that. For Gold Coast, yeah, and it's three weeks, events. isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Um, Before Gold yeah, Coast, yeah, four weeks. Four weeks, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's pretty close. It's pretty close, but it used to be after Gold Coast as well. So they moved it before that event. But that's um again, that's about timing through the year, isn't it, to get that right? And it's sort and of that the, might be um, a, yeah. You go. Sorry, it might be a tactical decision to to go you know just on the on the before of gold coast marathon and likewise with the sunshine coast marathon which is on the 15th or it's in the middle of august where you know say if you've had a bit of a niggle in your marathon build and you need another five or six weeks to prepare then you've got a perfect event like waiting for you in the sunshine coast which is actually you can go there for scenery and you can go there because it's fast. Yeah. And it's sort of, it's uh, based on depth and numbers now to be the second behind Gold Coast. So it's um, probably ahead of, of Brisbane. 
and um, just yeah. getting bigger and bigger each year. So uh, it's exciting. But um, yeah, a few things to think about that. And uh, and Noosa as well. I was up there um, just uh, under a month ago now, actually. And um, similar in the sense that the whole events run on one day. So you've got a, all the events from 5K up. They might have had a, an event less than five, but 5K, 10K, half marathon and marathon in the same morning which is always going to be absolutely chockers, especially when they send off the half marathoners before the marathoners, 15 minutes before. What's going to happen? They're going to be overtaken and um, be in the way, which is nothing on them, but just the way that... Especially for of... the lead marathoners. Yeah, yeah. But um, again, there must be reasons for that. Likely money, likely um, also the fact it's, it's easier to close roads for three hours, not across two days for multiple sort of periods. Yeah, and that, I mean, that course, 10 and a half K, like, I don't mind that. Like, that's kind of, for me, I, I don't mind that on the mind. But, um, yeah, it becomes really busy when you start lapping people or, I mean, it could even be you're running a four-hour marathon and then you're getting lapped. Like, do you do you like that, you know? Um, <laughs> um, you know, you've got a lot of half marathoners and marathoners kind of, Polite, no, not colliding, but you know, running on the same part of the course at the same time. Does it become a bit too busy? You're like maybe, but you know, again, at the end of the day, it's the uh, the cost of the roads. Like these events, they're they're kind of getting screwed a bit here. Like everyone wants to come and do the events, but complain about the entry fees being high, and <laughs> and then you know, so they lower the prices or something, or don't put the prices up, but then um you know they don't close off the roads and you're kind of like oh well that wasn't the experience that i wanted um yeah i feel the race organizing would be tough because there is also just so many events to choose from you just go to like the best ones you know not exactly. everyone can do seven marathons in a year so like you you tend to be a bit more strategic with the ones that you choose i mean like you were saying like if you're you're moving house like you can't you know, pick a marathon this weekend or anything like that. Like you've then got to then decide which one fits in with you. You might miss out on your preferred one, but there's a marathon every month. Yep. Yep. Again, uh, thank you to the organizers. I, I try and organize 30 kids in a classroom and not thousands of people out there on a road. So it's definitely a challenge, but um, a few good points there, I think uh, that we raised. Let's get to you though. Anyway, Dion, a bit more specifically, uh, I noticed you're a very similar age to me, uh, sort of midway through your 30s. But um, just talk to us about where you live in Melbourne itself and then also a bit about the Evolve Running Club. We spoke about it very briefly earlier and also your work as a masseuse or physio, I believe. Yeah, so I've just, my partner and I have just recently bought, um, we're now, so we're now we're in Frankston, which is in the, the southeast, kind of like the gateway of the Mornington Peninsula. So yeah, we're kind of settling in here and that's been well, like lots of good running tracks and trails to run on um, and less than a K away from that athletics track as well. So a bit of a strategic move moving down this way um, and we're expecting a baby. So we're kind of just preparing for that. But um, yeah, and then the Evolve Running Club. So yeah, we're based in, um, in Caulfield is where we do our sessions during the week. We do um, Tuesday 
morning and night and Thursday morning and night. So the same session on the Tuesday for the morning and night and then same for the Thursday. Um, and then on the weekends, we'll generally have like a, a long run, which probably um, the, the location will change every week, but it's generally somewhere on the bay side, maybe along the coastline from the Brighton Beach or something, which, you know, just traffic-free running, no traffic lights. So it just makes it a bit easier that no one gets lost and you can get, eight, you know, 80 Ks on the on there if you go out and back from one to the other, or you can just do a nice 10 Ks on the beach. Um, and then eventually at some stage, we'll start to organise group sessions from Frankston as well. So we'll have two breakaway groups, one in Frankston, one in Caulfield. So, yeah, that that will be exciting. And, um, you know, I tend to find myself, I'll, I'll go between the both as well. So you're pretty close to the beach there. I've got the uh, the map up. Can you see that? I'll oh, yeah. The screen. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. not far from the beach. Yeah. So and... do they get any waves through here or is it pretty flat considering it's essentially a oh, bay? Pretty flat. Yeah. Pretty flat on the uh, on the bay. Yeah, so this stretch That's along here, is there a nice long path along there? Yeah, pretty much from... Chelsea Beach, Seaford Beach and Frankston. So pretty much from Karen, there's a... Uh, like a bike footpath that goes all the way up to, I guess, Mordialic. And then once you're at Mordialic, it's all footpath along the beach. So, you know, on the beach side of, of the road. So, you know, there's no cars or anything in between to kind of disrupt your views or anything. So, yeah, really nice running from Mordialic all the way up to Port Melbourne. And a 40-minute drive, I see, from where you live to where you train. Is that about right? Yeah. So... Yeah, in the morning, so I, you know, try not to get up too early. And so I got up, at, you know, get up at five and then go run from, um, oh, drive from Frankston to, to Caulfield. And yeah, it's about 40 minutes in the morning, which um, that's not too bad. It's probably not sustainable for all year long. But um, at the moment, while I'm still studying. Yeah, good luck and, with the kid. Yeah. So, and, and up until when we have little bub like um i've got one of the other coaches jordan who is great with the group um everyone knows and loves him so he's he, he'll kind of succeed me and he was at training this morning which is great everyone you know it'll be like nothing's changed you know i'll get to the long runs and some sessions where i can but at the moment yeah kind of persevering and wait until bub comes along and um i'll be a bit more local for a while Excellent. Hey, we had uh, Tim Crosby on here, actually, uh, coach of the Crosby crew and very oh, yeah. involved in athletics in so many ways. But um, And I, I knew of him before he came on because he'd run a uh, coaching course for me um, through uh, QA or AA. And um, he, his group gets massive numbers, I believe, down in Melbourne. What, what sort of numbers do you guys have and what sort of a crowd are you catering for? Is it pretty much a, a flexible recreational group or... Any uh, higher performing athletes in there? Yeah, I mean, we don't have the numbers that the Crosby crew have. You know, they're based in the city and they, they I guess they have a number of coaches that lead um, breakaway groups as well. So that they could have like 60 people, 80 people at some sessions um, at the peak of, you know, marathon season leading into Melbourne. Um, for us, 
because we do morning and night sessions, you know, this morning we probably had about 18 people and that's that's like good size for us. We, you know, we're running at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we're, I guess, we're more targeted towards, you know, the, the kind of the, the blue collar, like people that, you know, training before they have to go to work rather than people that, you know, can come and run at 9.30 or something you know, your stay-at-home parent or something and your kids are at school, then you can come training. Um, we're kind of a bit more, and I guess that's just because that's how that's how I, you know, I work in the day and then I come do these sessions. So it kind of, you know, we all kind of relate that we're all, you know, kind of grinding, getting the runs done early in the morning or, you know, at the end of the day, once we finish work, whichever they choose. So, and in terms of the athletes that we have, you know, we've got people that are, you know, have ran a five-hour marathon trying to break, you know, 4.30, for example. And then one of our other guys, you know, he probably try and run 2.25 at the Gold Coast. So um, so he's, I've been his whipping boy for a little bit recently. He's, you know, kind of just sticking it to me in the sessions at the moment. And, um, yeah, we had another guy that ran 2.25 last year as well, so on the Goldie. So, um, but I, I thought that he had COVID three weeks before the marathon, but he could have ran 220. Like, um, so we've, we've got a, a good mix of, of people. And then, so because it is a bigger range, um, like I'll generally just run with whoever's got no one to, to run next to. Um, but yeah, I guess we've got a good range from like that. We'll, just under three hours to that that three thirty kind of group is where we have a lot of the numbers, and then you've kind of just got the people just on the outlier at the front and off the back. So it's a good good group, and we all kind of do a cool down together. You know, the faster guys are running five thirties or five twenties. Like, yeah, that that's pretty cool though. Like to see you know, yeah, I guess yeah recreational runner running a few times a week running with a pretty semi you know semi elite athlete like that's pretty cool like to be able to harness that within a group uh group atmosphere oh for sure and you mentioned work in there so it is um a tuesday by the way we might have sort of alluded to that earlier and it's 9 20 a.m in the morning so what what allows you to be doing this at this time how, how does your working day generally look in your role yeah, so I so I'm working as a uh, remedial massage therapist, and so I'm studying with to do my mind therapy as well. So next year, you know, we have a podcast. I was saying I'm a mind therapist, whereas this year remedial massage. Um, so I work at a um, you know a couple of different clinics at the moment. One is in Port Melbourne, and one my main one is in um, Sandringham. And so I'm there a few days a week, was there, was there five days a week, but with uni, I'm now three days. And then, um, just in the process of setting up working from home as well. Um, so I've just got the whole clinic set up going on here and that'll just be a bit more, um, you know, that's kind of looking into the, the long-term waiting for Bub to be here. And I've got a room that I'm fortunate enough to be able to, have as an office and a clinic room but um yeah so I kind of just block out an hour here or there if I need to do any kind of 
I guess, interviews or any any of that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I try not to block out too many, but um, yeah, where where I can, I, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy to. Excellent. Well, I won't send any Brisbane people down there too. They might be uh, taking a number of hours to get down to Melbourne. But um, any Melbourne listeners, it, you know, it's surprising what uh, well, where these people live who listen, particularly overseas um, and around the country. So you never know. Maybe there's some business there for you, Dion. But um, anyway, let's get to your running PBs. And this will be very interesting because I'm going to start from the shorter events upwards. And I'd like to hear about your ultra events. They're harder to find, aren't they? World Athletics is very good at track events and up to the marathon but thereafter that's where you might need to chime in yes um and it seems um you know you're an ultra runner so it just seems the longer you go the, the stronger that uh, you're running and i'll look at times here too because all your P, all your pbs on world athletics are in the last six years uh, from 2017 but starting from the bottom 1500 401 that was five years ago in Melbourne. So um, what was that one about? It was that really five years ago, 2018. Um, <laughs> that was actually, I reckon it was like four days after. Um, so I'd just been in Hawaii. It would have been like February, I think. And I just, you know, I did yeah, like March, a 40K yeah. run on the Sunday in Hawaii, like hills and everything. And then I came back Um back to Melbourne and then I was I still wanted to run well in this 1500 meters so I, I tapered from I guess Monday through to the race day and oh, I had a really good race I didn't really know what kind of time I would run I just just pressed start on the watch and then didn't really look at it and ended up I think I might have even won that race which I mean it was the C graded race it wasn't you know there was two races that were faster than mine, but um, yeah, I was really happy with that. Having just ran 40 Ks a few days earlier and had a really good finish as well. So yeah, 401, obviously it's nice to kind of break a, you know, a time barrier. The four minutes would have mm -hmm. been nice. Um, you know, even the, um, the girls, the Aussie girls are, are beating those times now. So I, I wouldn't say that, um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe this year, this track season, I might be able to have a have a crack because um, being a dad, I probably won't be doing the many long runs, so I might have to sharpen up a bit. Yeah, well, I've seen the uh, the longer runners, marathoners, the ultra runners come down to the shorter events. It's always entertaining. Four hundred one. There's a bit of speed there in the older legs. That about thirty years of age when you did that. So uh, it's it's pretty impressive for someone who runs um, up to and over hundred k. So one mile, 429, the 5,000, 1452, uh, Box Hill as well. So that might have been a, another graded race because they have a pretty special um, elite A-grade race there. That was last year. It was, yeah. That was that might have been the B or the C race as well, um, the Box Hill burn. And, and, yeah, I was actually in training for my um, 100K race, which was – like six weeks later and um so that the race was on a thursday night and then i had a 50k race on the saturday so it was a interesting couple of days but that 5k i was yeah, i was actually really quite happy with i thought i might go a little bit quicker but i guess a pv is a pv 
Yeah, then the 10K, 3049, that's a 10,000 rather. Um, and for those a bit more recreational in the running scene, when you refer to meters, it's generally on the track. And then the 10K road, 3046. So about three to four seconds quicker there. Geelong for the 10,000 and uh, in Brighton for the 10K road, 2018 and 2021 respectively. Uh, how do you feel about those times? Is there any more scope you think to bring them down? Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't really like. I love racing and I like the ten k's, <laughs> but I'd either rather prefer to do a a five k on the track or do a marathon. Mm. Like the ten and the half don't really, you know, sing out that loudly to me with appeal. So I'd either rather go really short and get it done and um otherwise just go longer it's such a hard event isn't it 10k it's um not too much slower in terms of pace than a 5k you're just holding on aren't you for dear life uh and the half marathon we've just spoken about it gold coast premier uh marathon event we just spoke about too 109 6907 so a pretty significant barrier there 70 minutes and six years ago that half yeah, so I've actually ran faster than that twice, actually. But um, one was one of them last year, maybe, and it was like a windy day. Maybe it wasn't a, like a an official certified Ames course, but um, yeah, I ran one oh eight in like one second, um, and it was yeah quite a windy day. So I think that um, you know. I'd probably think I'm more of a 66-minute half marathon guy, but just prefer to do other races. Um, but, yeah, um, the the half marathon for me is like a good, you know, usually do a 5-10K warm-up or a 5-10K cool-down. So it's part of usually part of a, a marathon campaign. So, yeah, I, I haven't done that many half marathons, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Each to their own. I, I do love the half marathon personally myself, but um, see what happens in uh, in the in the future for me. But marathon two nineteen forty one. So again, another barrier, the two twenty sub two twenty, and two years ago that was Melbourne marathon by the looks of it. It was yeah in December, and we were really lucky with the uh, conditions that we got on a day for December because you could really get anything. We've had. Was that a COVID thing? They pushed it back, did they? Normally October, isn't it? Yeah, because we had lockdowns. Yeah. So that was all through, yeah, fun times. But, um, yeah, I remember halfway through that that marathon, we had a, a group of, would have been at least 10 of us going for like that 220 pace. And at halfway, I think we were like 110 and 20 seconds. And I remember saying to some of the guys in the group, like, what the hell are we doing? Like, um, we need to go or it's not going to happen. And I think from like 25Ks, it was when it was kind of like, well, I'm not here to 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 run slower. So, yeah, put the, the foot down and actually had a negative split, which on the Melbourne course is, is actually quite a hard uh, race to, to negative split at. And I think all the other 10 people kind of were over to two two twenty. So yeah, I, w- I was really happy with that. Probably one of my best, um, one of my best races. Yeah. It's a great time. Great time. But, um, 
I want to hear shortly about the story as to how you ended up being an ultra runner, but let's get to the times first. So I believe in the ultra world, the 50 K is a um, significant marker or distance, and then also the hundred. So what sort of the times have you um, put down for those two events and achievements as well in line with ultra running? Yeah. So the 50 K is kind of significant if you say, but um, probably more because it's a, a round number. It's a clean to measure. Whereas a lot of the ultra runners who are 50 K runners, you know, there's not that many because you might as well just do the marathon. Um, but I've ran two fifty forty something seconds. So yeah. And that was actually on the athletics track, but, um, 250 laps. What no, 125 laps. Is that around 325? Yeah. So I went through the marathon in like 223, 224, and then, you know, slowed down a little bit, but, um, yeah, I was really happy that, and that's actually the, um, the Australian record as well for the 50 K and done in kind of a wet, miserable conditions at the Box Hill athletics track as well. So I like Box Hill athletics track. So where do we find these times? So if I, I'm just entering this into Google now, what would I type to find the 50 K Australian record? Do I just write that? You (laughs) could write, um, aura. So Australian ultra running association. Yeah. And then there might be a, a link yeah, that got, says... got a link here now, yeah. And then open records, updated in April this year. There you are. Box Hill, 29th of 11th, 2020. 2.50.49. And then you must know uh, Tim Sloan. 1995? Maybe yeah. not. 6.29 for 100k. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you fare to him to 6.29 across 100K? I actually ran 6.30. No way. Yeah. Um, and that was that was in 2022. So that was last year. Yeah, just over a year. That was in Sydney. And yeah, I really kind of... Um, there was a lot of confusion with this race because... Um, the the race originally was supposed to be the Penrith Lakes, the where they do the park run and everything. Really flat, fast course, but they'd had um, like a algae infection in the area, so they said that we couldn't race there. And um, so we've got this race that we're training for, but had no course. So I um, and I di- I wasn't confident that the race would go ahead. They were just pull the rug from underneath us. So I actually entered a, what was it? A, a 12 hour track race. And I just said, put a, put a cone out for a hundred K I'm going for the record there. And it was two weeks earlier. So I thought, you know what, if both ahead, both events do go ahead, I'll still do both because the one in Sydney is the national champs. And yeah, it was just a, the one, on the track, it was in Coburg, so which is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. I had a crack. I went out on the pace and, yeah, I just, I think, like, was wearing um, my shoes and they were probably really snug. And then running on the track, as it got warmer, my feet just swelled up and I just started blistering up. And 
up until 60K. And then I kind of just sat down for like 15 minutes or something, had a beer, and then went back out and did another 20Ks. And then, um, and I, and that last 20Ks actually gave me a lot of confidence because I started to run around four minute Ks again for up until 80Ks. And I could have kept going, but um, my feet were kind of shredded. So I thought I'd just, um, call it there and then two weeks later I'd go and have a crack at this 100k record feeling like I at least that was the one piece of the puzzle that I always struggled with was between 60 and 80k mm. and um, yeah so two weeks later I went to this other 100k and my I guess the weather was foul just pouring rain all day on a Friday and then the course was hilly we we're in a car park essentially and I was just, my head wasn't in it. I'd just been single for a little bit and then was um, going on lots of different dates with different people. And I was just like, I really shouldn't be doing this race. Like my head's not in it. And I remember actually Clay Dawson was at that race. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to go for seven hours, see how we go. And he went out like a bat out of hell, just out so quick. He was way in front of me. And I was just thought, well, I guess it's on, like we're going to run and um, the pace was good, like we're running 345s kind of thing. And he generally is the kind of runner that when he runs, he runs hard from the start. And if his body says go for it, then he just, you know, he has really great runs if he if it sticks. And then if not, then you can kind of catch him. But on this day, like... Um, took me about 20 Ks to kind of catch him and you know, my pace hadn't changed. If anything, maybe I got slightly a little bit quicker after the, the 40, 50 K mark and it's still running like the mid four, uh, three forties kind of pace. And then, yeah, it wasn't up until about 90 K where I just, you know, my body and my mind, I think needed a bit of a break more than anything. And, and yeah, so I walked for a little bit by this time. I might've even, yeah, I would have lacked clay because the course was, I think it was like a 3.3 K loop. Just really just doing ins and outs in a car park essentially is what the course was. And yeah, so I just, um, you know, I had a really good, good run probably again, like that Melbourne marathon was probably up there as one of my best ever runs. And, um, yeah, I ran six hours, 30 minutes, 40 seconds or something like that. Um, and yeah, so I was, what, a minute or so off the uh, Aussie record. But I actually thought that um, during the race, I thought that the Aussie record was 6.27. So I was always like, oh, well, I've, I've not got it. I've not got it. And um, uh, I guess like if I have like a little silver lining out of it, like, my um when my watch hit 100k's it was six hours 27 minutes and like 10 seconds or something um but because of like the course was i mean on your watch you're like you don't stop until you hit the finish line but you know i had 101k's so i was like technically i've ran um under the record pace on my watch but um yeah so probably one of those races that i was really proud of if I didn't run any faster you know I'd probably still be pretty happy with 
with that result. And, you know, that was two weeks after attempting the 100K record on a track. I ran 80Ks two weeks out. So, you know, whether you say it was the best prep or not, like I actually felt really good. And, you know, and it was only three weeks after that 100K that I went out and ran and won the Great Ocean Road Marathon as well, which again was probably one of my, it was like a real purple patch that um, half marathon and the 5K PB that I got were between Melbourne and that 100K as well. So, um, yeah, it was just a good patch. And whether I run faster in the future, like, will be seen, but like, I would be happy with that 100K, 50K and marathon time. Oh, for sure. And and how do they measure it? Do they just measure like precisely that three point something K loop and then multiply it to get to perfectly fitted into a hundred and then it's certified? Like you said, um, often our watches are over in races because we're we're sort of dodging and weaving through people and not taking yeah, the inside lane, so to speak. But um any idea of the process there? They're out in the early question, hours because, of the morning for road runs. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're gonna measure like they'll get the wheel out and measure it for the one lap. I don't know if they would do it for the hundred K like that would take a long time. And I reckon it would be the kind of the process of just multiplying that exact course. But um, yeah, I mean like that course was shocking. Like there was cars still driving in there. I nearly got hit by a car. There's potholes, um, speed humps. I think there was like 30 speed humps per loop. So it was just not a great course, but, and that's why I resigned myself to the fact that I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be running. Your head's not in it. You're not recovered from the 80K. And I feel like I had, but um, I was giving myself all these excuses to to kind of not do the run and pull out. And I think that actually gave me a lot of freedom to run. Um, you know, there was no expectation. I knew that I was in good shape, but I had no expectation that I would run well. And so maybe there's something in that as well that, you know, running a course where it's not technically, you know, the fastest, maybe there is something in that that you can run with a bit more freedom that you just run and see how you feel versus you've got to, you know, hit your four minute Ks on your watch bang on exactly to be, you know, you got to stick to your to your race plan, and if you're not, then you failed. You know, to strip all that expectation away, maybe there's a lot that people can take away from that. That you know, running and trusting yourself that you know, running to your to how you're feeling on the day can kind of get you a result that you're still happy with. Yeah, for sure. And uh, any uh, events or runs longer than 100k? Any achievements there? We've had a uh, the dead. Their Cow Gully event in Queensland just recently. I'm not sure if you've done it or heard about it, but um, they run till they drop basically. And uh, there's normally yeah. runners running a couple hundred kilometers there through uh, all sorts of hours of the day. I've definitely seen it. And it's definitely a big craze going around at the moment with, um, you know, the last one standing and everything like that. Um, I've coached a few people that have done them, but for myself, I'm just not ready for that amount of, you know, hours out and about. And because I feel like I would want to do really well, mm. I know I could be out there for two days. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't want to do it and, you know, get the 100 miles or anything. Like, I'd be going bigger. And then that's just, like, 
that requires a lot more time to train and the way things are for me at the moment, like it just, I'd rather stick to the marathons, which I feel like a bit easier to train for, you know, requires only a couple of hours for your long weekend run versus, you know, I've got a, a girl that she's doing a 12 hour last one standing like from her backyard and just running around the park. Um, Rebecca, if you're listening, <laughs> um, but next week doing it, you know, hour loops around home next week in preparation for her race. That's 12 hours. Like that's a whole day. So I'm not quite prepared for that yet. Yeah. I'm but, seeing, uh, um, race, you know, oh, yeah, it's hundred for sure. Yeah. I'm seeing it's, it's so strange as a road runner, like myself who runs generally 10 K and half marathons uh, to see the unit D capital D for, for days. So there's a 500 mile event uh yes. four days nine hours 59 minutes four seconds that's the men's distance record in australia yanis uh, kuros yeah. you might know who that is probably one of the greatest distance runners of all time yeah so now i'm sounding offensive and naive to the ultra world and then a thousand miles gary parsons a very old record 96 back when you and i were uh, in primary school 12 days 19 hours 44 minutes and 35 seconds so it's a remarkable time to be to be moving and uh of course a bit of sleeping and eating i'm sure <laughs> yeah absolutely like and that's the thing when you're going for distances like that it's actually more of a walk if you think about it you know um you're jogging for a little bit having a sleep um yeah for me like i just want to go run like you know uh, you know just train hard and you know you know party hard kind of thing just like just train hard race hard kind of let it all out and then you're done and then you can go relax you know go catch up with friends or you know do other stuff but um and for me as well like trying to work like there is a time capacity to the amount yeah. you can train so um yeah i don't know how those guys do it it's it's madness is it also the the measurable nature, like you spoke about, 50K and 100K being very um sort of whole and clear figures to work towards? Yeah, A bit like a roadrunner likes to there work is also towards the, um, uh, certain events. There is also the 50 miles and 100 miles. Yeah. So they're two other distances and, you know, they're measured in a different metric to what we do here, but still nonetheless um, meaningful barriers um, for I guess anyone doing ultras, but, um, I mean, and that's just road running. Like you've now got trails as well. Like ultra running is a huge, you know, it's very diluted in terms. If you think marathon running, you're generally running on the road for 42.2 Ks. Whereas ultra running, you could be running 50 Ks. You could be running a thousand Ks, you know, and it could be on the road. It could be on the trail, like there's so many different versions of what, you know, because ultra marathon is anything more than 42.2 Ks. So. And elevation too. Yeah. And then, so these ultras where there's no limit to the distance, no limit to the elevation, you know, you just, it, it's hard to then 
put someone in like you know if you ask someone oh you're a marathon runner you know what time have you run you know yeah. anyone could say oh I've run three hours like, that oh wow that's, on the flat that's a great <laughs> great barrier like well done like you're a real quality runner whereas if you're training for 100k trails and you say yeah it took me 12 hours to do the course at UTA and you were 15th position like compare that to I've run the 100k on the road and that was six and a half hours and like it's it's just a difference it'd be like oh wow you six and a half hours but this other person ran 12 hours wow that's more impressive because you were out there for 12 hours yeah, yeah. whereas you probably run for you know 60ks of it and you walk 40ks of it for that kind of time so um the ultra running scene is just you know, you, you kind of need to know what terrain someone has ran on to then put into perspective, you know, the quality of the performance because it's so, um, you know, unusual. You, you know, you run your Boston Marathon, you know it's somewhat hilly and, you know, it's otherwise on road and you can run fast. But we have a local uh, trail race here in Melbourne called the Two Bays and it's a 56K trail run and you know someone asks you what time it, you've ran there it doesn't really matter because most of the population have never ran on the mornington peninsula so it's it's hard to put into perspective you know the time that someone's ran and even measuring your own expectation going into the race what you think you might think is a realistic goal and does ultra running entail also the runs that may involve a little bit of climbing say up a, a, a mountain where it's almost yeah. vertical does that come under the category so like your ultra? utmb any of that sort of yeah. stuff um ccc hard rock yeah they're all you know ultra running so yeah <laughs> yeah it could be like this or this yep <laughs> like you do 24 hour track running or you can do yeah. 100 miles with 8,000 meters of vertical meters yeah both parts so, as an ultra marathon so what's your, but nothing what's your alike. definition what's how would you define ultra running in one sentence stupid people <laughs> running stupid distances yeah <laughs> and ultra some... trail running is more like a glorified picnic <laughs> you can eat whatever you want yeah um, definitely a more and welcoming and fun crowd though yeah yeah you fall over you know someone will pick you up hey uh let's talk about how you ended up here by the way uh being one of those stupid people running stupid distances and um because as we read out your your times for 1500 and up are certainly not slow so um you must have started from the bottom and as a kid done uh things in line or maybe not in line of what what uh, you're doing now in terms of pushing the body to the real lengths of up to a hundred kilometers. So what did childhood look like and how has that led to you today? Theon? Yeah, I guess, yeah, where it kind of started. I didn't really run much when I was a, a kid. I was always in trouble and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, um, I didn't do many sports. I kind of, we just didn't have money to go and do sports or anything. Um, but when I was a little bit, older and I guess mid-teens and went and played a bit of footy and a little bit of cricket um but I really liked running laps around the oval before everyone trained like that's what I really liked um so I, I knew that I liked running and 
I did it at school cross country and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I did relatively well and I by no means trained for it, but, you know, I would go through to the state athletics and the state cross country and um, I would never medal at the uh, cross country or anything like, like that. I did get a medal for the state athletics for 800 metres and I thought myself to be more of a 1500 metres or even the cross country running. So that was a bit of a shock that I, I got a medal at 800, the distance that I was less enthused about. And um, I guess from there, I um, did my apprenticeship as a chef and, you know, that was a, you know, I didn't really train too much through that period. I used to just go out and party after work and, you know, sleep in. And then um, got to the stage where I would have been 21 or something like that. And I just thought, pull your finger out, mate, get yourself into some shape and, you know, had a bit of a dad bod. And um, so from there, I just started entering these, all these different fun runs and each fun run kind of became my new longest ever run. So it was like a, on the peninsula here, there was did a 6.7K fun run and, you know, that was my longest ever race. And then I did an 8K run, um, a 10K run, then a 14K race. And they all were like my new longest ever distance that I'd ran. And, and, and then I thought I might as well enter the, the marathon. And I kind of just noticed as I was doing these events that my positioning, you know, became better for the longer that the distance was. And, you know, although my, I was not running faster with the longer distances relative to some of the peers that I was running against, I was ranking better as the distance went on. So, um, I guess, yeah, I finished that first marathon thinking I'd never do that again. And a few weeks later I'd, I'd entered an ultra and, you know, I kind of just kept on going and I, um, met a bunch of lovely guys through doing Oxfam, which is the, you know, the, 100k charity trail walker and some of those guys that I met through through that um you know really kind of just gave me my my eyes into the ultra running world and you know they're a bit um older than me and just I still chat with them so often now and they're just um the camaraderie that we had as a group I think that's what I was searching for and I found that through ultra running. So I, I really enjoyed that and did a lot of, you know, 50K trail runs and and the like for a number of years and did a six-hour track race. And then I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do the 100K just by myself, try and go for a time. And once I did that, I thought, okay, don't go any longer, but now let's just try and get a bit faster. So I think I've just kind of gone up to the top for the distance and now have come halfway back down to the shorter distances but um yeah I guess my pet event is the the marathon and I you know I could do one every couple of weeks if I was allowed so for someone like me who who predominantly road runs and a lot of uh the listeners of the show are road runners we do get a few uh of the stupid people the ultra <laughs> crowd listening in but um what is it that attracts you more to that uh, away from the distance side of things of course you're running further and that may attract you in some way to the uh the sport of ultra running but how is it different to the generally the shorter uh, road running events is it is it the fact you're just around very 
very like-minded people who are doing similar things. Yeah, it's definitely an element to that. Like, you know, if you're out running a marathon or a half marathon or a 10K, if someone falls over or, or, you know, you hurt yourself or something, like everyone else, like their watch doesn't stop. So no one stops and helps. And, you know, whereas in ultra running, I feel like people are willing to, you know, put a few seconds aside and, and help or maybe slow down and chat with you while you're running. So I think that the camaraderie is, is a, is a big thing. And for me, obviously like, you know, I'm not going to go and run seven minute Ks on a, you know, slow trail on a trail. Like I still want to run relatively quickly. So I'm not exactly the most sociable trail runner. Like I kind of like to run up hills and then run back down really quick. Um, but I think that camaraderie is just like less emphasis on time and, you know, I know internally I'm going to push hard no matter what, whereas I don't need to always talk about, oh, you're going to push for this, you know, what race are you doing? Like, um, I like to run because I enjoy it rather than the times. And I know that the more that you're running, I guess you get rewarded for it anyway. So if you do the right things, regardless whether it's with someone that talks about the times or not, like, I find that you still end up at the same destination. So so for me, I find it is a part of, you know, my, I guess my journey, I find it more enjoyable when the time is, is kind of taken off. And, um, but yeah, I, I think if I had to pick road or trails for racing, I'm definitely a road racer um, mm-hmm. that likes to dabble in trail running. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about nutrition quickly too, because um it must be uh, remarkable how much you consume in an event, say, uh, across 100 kilometers. So what's sort of, do you have an idea of the total calories or if you were to lay out, which you probably do on the table or something like that in a 100K event, how much food and what are you consuming in that time in order to get the right energy, but not, not to overdo it in in some kind of way? Oh, mate, it's madness. You, you wouldn't want to, you know, inflict this food on on your worst enemy it's like a kid's diet um a lot of you know lots of you know either gels or for me i have powder nutrition and then just fill the bottles with water and the powder and that that's generally what i will survive off um and i will have things like banana chips i generally have like salt and vinegar chips um and this is for i'll just for the purpose a hundred K road race um, is my example, but I'll have, you know, a bottle of this, you know, powder nutrition every probably depending on the course, but I had the world champs was a seven and a half K loop. So I had a drink bottle every seven and a half Ks. And that was a, a pop top. So two fifty mils, and then that that lasts me for the, the 7K, seven K, seven and a half Ks. And then I have other things like a gel in my pocket in case I drop my bottle or emergency. And then, you know, I'll have banana chips and lollies available if I'm not having if my stomach's not agreeing with the um the race fuel. But um yeah, and then once I've hit I try and keep it as late in the race as possible. 
I'll have flat coke. But once you've started the flat coke, you can't really get off it because all the sugar and the caffeine, you start to have a bit of a come down. So once you have it, you have to stay on it, I find. So I I think I started about 70Ks in. So I had 30Ks where I was consuming a lot of flat coke and I had at least two litres in that 30Ks of flat coke. Um, didn't really have many other lollies and chips, but I know that they're always available. So I might have had a handful of lollies at one stage, but that's it. Um, fuel, uh, like calorie-wise, because of the the liquid nutrition is quite um, rich as well, I, I kind of like make it double strength so that I can, it's almost like getting two gels worth in seven and a half Ks, knowing that every so often I might skip it and have Coke instead or something like that. I would have had 8,000 calories on that race. And and you finish feeling like you're in deficit. Mm. Like you're thirsty for days. So, um, but compare that to a marathon, I'll probably have one of those uh, powdered nutrition bottles every 5Ks. You can generally, I can get 5K special needs drink bottles. So that's pretty easy. I'll do that every 5Ks up until 30. And then 35Ks, I'll have flat Coke, nothing at 40. So it's a lot more simple with the marathon and I don't need to take anything else. You know, you've had a, a good carb load. If I'm really feeling it, I might have a, one of my drink bottles before the race as well. But if I do that, I generally skip the first 5K drink bottle. So I'll generally have six bottles in a marathon. Okay. Uh, if we look at the training week then and, and how nutrition sort of stems into that, particularly in the long run, are, are you someone saying a long run in a training week, you are doing that um, on deficit, not having anything during or before, or do you practice the nutrition? And then what does generally the training week look like for you in, in the last year or so? Yeah, I definitely practice with my nutrition and I guess in a way fortunate that because I race quite regularly, I often get to practice on a full race simulation. So I don't have to do it during a training week that often if I know that I'm regularly, you know, topping up with, you know, I guess how I'm tolerating stuff and, you know, if there's a different change in the recipe of the the powder or anything like that, generally I'll find out. But um, in terms of, you know, depletion runs, you know, a lot of the runs throughout my week will be, you know, depletion runs, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and I'm running first thing and then, you know, come back and have your, you know, coffee, drink of water, some breakfast. So a lot of the runs, if I'm running for like an hour, like I don't even have a drink of water, I just yeah. go out. Yeah. Um, bit different to you guys who a bit more humidity, but down here it's cold enough you don't need to drink before you go for a run. Yeah, it's so different as in the heat, yeah. Um, long runs, yeah, I might have breakfast, especially the longer you're going. You know, I'll have something with a bit of carbs in it, maybe a coffee. And, um, yeah, with the rest of my weekly mileage, a bit different this year just because I'm wearing so many hats. But um, I'll, I was generally trying to get around 40K long run every week. 
and even like a week out from the marathon, I might do 30K long run and then the week after 30Ks. Um, that's pretty standard for me. Mileage wise, you know, somewhere between 160 and 200 is pretty, pretty standard, you know, up to the 200 when I'm getting, you know, deep into a prep and then, you know, 160 when I'm kind of just cruising around, you know, waiting for the next, I guess, build to kind of, to come up. But um, yeah, last year when I was training for some ultras and hundred Ks and like, I'd try and take one of the days off in a week, but I still would get like 220 Ks in six run in six days of running. So, um, but that, that's a bit more extreme because I was doing more um, trail running. I was doing longer runs throughout the week. But um, marathon season is, yeah, 160 to 200 is pretty standard for me. And then what about any kind of speed work? So uh, a lot of the listeners would run, you know, 10K half marathons and run, say, a threshold pace. And a threshold pace is generally very close to a half marathon pace week in, week out. And then also some shorter reps, maybe earlier in the week. Is there still a necessity, do you think, to do that for, say, a 50 and 100K event if you're leading into one of those in the year to be doing those short sharp sessions as well yeah absolutely definitely worthwhile having in having those in your your staples of your weekly training i mean there does become a point where if you're trying to you know race 100 kilometers you absolutely must have speed work in your in your week if you're trying to complete 100 kilometers at any cost and just jog it, mm. you probably just need to get your mileage, you know, whether you, the speed work becomes a bit more of a, a risk in terms of injury. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're planning on, you know, surviving a hundred K trail run or road run, you know, speed work may not be that important. Your speed work might be running marathon pace. Um, but for me, yeah, I'll, I'll generally do the set, you know, the shorter reps on a Tuesday, like this morning we did 1200 meter reps, but you know, the other week we did 400 meter reps and we did up to 20 of those. So, um, and then Thursday we do more like fartlek tempo thresholdy kind of runs. So, you know, depending on where we are for the season, like last week, the guys were doing, um, I think they did like a 40 minute tempo. So more like your marathon pace. Um, some of the younger kids were doing, you know, 15, 20 minute threshold. So they're running a bit faster, but they're also running and training for a different event. So for the marathon guys, you know, running a bit longer, but slightly slower, they're already deep in a marathon block. They don't need to, to go too fast. Um, but yeah, I generally will do those two sessions maybe a, a park run or something on the weekend um, and a long run or a race on Sunday. And then if I can, wouldn't mind put a little bit of effort, you know, in a small patch of that long run. Okay. Yeah. It sounds um, like a lot of variation and still the importance to, to run quickly, particularly when you've got the 50 K Australian record, the speed still a necessity. But um, if we divert a little bit here to uh, footwear, and I know you've um, got some kind of affiliation or connection to 
uh, Hoka or Hoka, um, what, what is on your feet for, for all your runs? And then also when you are hitting the dirt roads and the trail, what are you wearing in those runs? Yeah, I'm very lucky with Hoka that, uh, you know, we've got great road and trail shoes, uh, even track shoes. So this morning it was actually quite wet out on the, uh, on the track, which is, you know, pretty much all gravel. So I actually wore trail shoes this morning, which is, it's called the challenger. And it's the kind of shoe that you would wear if you're running from your home on the streets to a trail. So it's kind of like a hybrid, you know, halfway between a road and a trail shoe, the challenger. So I'll wear that for a few of my runs in the week, especially when I run to the trails from home. General daily trainer might be something like the uh, Clifton or the Mac, which the Clifton is more like your, you know, your easy jog, your mileage, your long run shoe. And then the Mac is probably, you know, you're feeling, you know, a bit snappier on your foot. You can probably wear this session for sessions. Um, and yeah, my, I guess another shoe I might wear for speed work and sessions will be the Rincon, quite a lightweight shoe and great for actually triathlon where you can kind of just pull it and slip it on your foot. You know, I don't even do the shoelaces on this one. I, they're always done up and I just slip it on. So I like that, leaving the house, trying to make too much noise when I'm leaving. Um, the Rincon's a good one for that. And race day, um, I actually wear the Rocket X2 and that's definitely a significant, um, you know, markup for some of the other shoes around for like, I guess, even for Hocker, it's their equivalent of the, you know, vape, Nike Vaporfly kind of thing where it's really lightweight, the Piva foam, carbon plate, um, great amount of cushioning and you're kind of propelling you forward so that would that will be my race day shoe or wear it on the goldie and yeah i wore it in brisbane as well actually so yeah it's a good shoe excellent hey i'm getting close to the end here normally i've got listener questions uh at the end and some of mine but um we've gone well and truly past the hour and i predicted that a lot a lot to talk about to you and um i've learned a lot in the uh in the realm of ultra running but uh the last question is about you and your future for this year, what events are coming up? And then uh, longer term, you're in your mid-30s now. Where do you see yourself heading in your in your 40s or even 50s? Yeah, I guess it's kind of the question that you try not to think about too much. But um, <laughs> yeah, for me at the moment, like I'm doing Gold Coast um, at the end of next weekend. So what are we, 12 days away? And I'll be pacing the elite women uh, after that. Not really sure. Um, I want to try and actually want to do a half marathon in September, just before Bub is born. And after that, I think for me, for the rest of the, you know, the next 12 months, probably be a bit more shorter, sharper track rate racing. And um, if I can, you know, afford the time to do it, I would love to do another marathon. And uh, one day, like I'd actually entered to do the Valencia marathon for December this year, but with everything going on, like it just can't get there. And even like last weekend was the, the comrades and I was supposed to go there, but yeah, kind of study has made it hard to do the training. Um, so I wouldn't mind to maybe one day get back to comrades and have a bit of a run there. And one of the guys that I'd race with 
at the 100k world champs last year like he came second and like we comment on each other's drivers and stuff like you know i want to be back in that like pushing for the times and you know top you know top positions and um you know maybe one day i might be able to get close to the 216 218 kind of mark for the marathon is kind of what i'd like to see and who knows if i can you know i don't know what it's like with with kids but um if I've got time, I wouldn't mind actually taking that 100K record to have the 50 and the 100. But, um, yeah, really at the moment just enjoying my running and running with the Evolve Run Club. And that's kind of, you know, that's a good way for me to, you know, get a bit of training while also kind of working at the same time. One tip I do have for having a child is get up early, get it done while they're sleeping, uh, the wife and the kid, and um, get back to, to put the father hat on. And, and keep doing it. Be consistent. If, if you stop, it's very hard to get out of uh, months on end not running. So, um, yeah, good luck with that as well. Yeah. When's I don't plan on putting, the, uh, on putting the shoes away anytime soon. So, I will definitely make time for it. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, yeah, when's the due, sorry? Uh, early October. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you know, there's there's definitely reasons as to how it can help. I think um, if you get in the routine with um, kids, it, it can almost help. So, um, yeah, all the best uh, to you with that. And I hope I've done you and the ultra world justice today, being a little bit naive in some ways to uh, the longer events. But, um, yeah, the 50K Australian record holder, it's uh, definitely a pleasure and a treat to have you in front of me today. And um, I'm sure the listeners will take a lot out of it um i do try and sort of do these for an hour but uh, like i said we've gone well and truly past that with so many things to talk about i can almost double this time i think and uh i'd still comfortably be here asking you questions so thank you very much for your time Dion. no my pleasure thanks for having me um it's been yeah been nice to chat and you know kind of say hi to the, the brisbane running community on my behalf yeah definitely will thanks mate and uh take it easy for a tuesday thank you you too see ya if you enjoyed listening to this episode or the local legend in running podcast in general please jump on spotify give it a rating i'd much appreciate it thank you